There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You have that? Let's read that together tonight from the New King James Version. Ready? Read. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So again, verse 12 says, uh, you know, we're talking about Christ here, Jesus Christ. He did all this not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, with his own blood, he was the only one qualified to be the priest and the sacrifice. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, or in our vernacular, once and for all. He only did it one time. Didn't have to keep going back. Once for all, having obtained, this is by his own blood, Eternal redemption, eternal redemption. So Diane, I want to talk on, uh, continue on the power or power in the blood, part two. Tonight I want to talk about breaking cycles, breaking cycles, part, the power of the blood, breaking cycles. Thank you so much, Father, for the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, power in your word. And tonight I pray that each person, Lord, is blessed with ears to hear and eyes to see which are both from you, and that, God, as we receive revelation from you, Lord, as we receive much revelation, God, you said that more will be given to us, more. So let, let more and more revelation come. Lord, I pray that, Father, that the revelation that we receive, we will begin to put it into action immediately, Father, and not let it uh, slip, but begin to move in the things that we have heard and that God will begin to uh, obtain and uh, receive all that you have for us and to, to move into the greater things of God, we pray in Jesus' name. So be it, amen, amen. and amen. All right. We're talking about tonight, power in the blood, part two, breaking cycles. I begin sharing with you on Sunday about how many Christians uh, are living beneath uh, their privileges. Would you agree with that? You probably know some. Christians who are living way beneath their privileges. And what we said was most Christians have never learned or and or many have lost sight of the power of the covenant. More specifically tonight, I'm talking about the power of the blood. 
We may sing the song. Many churches will sing songs like we just sang on first Sunday or their communion Sunday. There's power in the blood. But they don't really know how to apply that power. They don't really understand what that power is. And I believe the Lord did a, a, a wonderful job on Sunday uh, in teaching us about the blood's power. And, and we, listen, we didn't nearly exhaust uh, the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That power, which is just as, just as much today as it was the moment he shed that powerful blood. When he shed that powerful blood, the blood hit the ground. The Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. The Bible says that all the graves were open. And after the resurrection, those, those uh, 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 deceased ones who, were, who, who, who followed the Lord, they got up and they walked around Jerusalem and appeared to many. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ was. That it caused the, the uh, sun to go dark for three hours in the middle of the day. The Bible says he hung from the 6th to the ninth hour. That would be our noon to 3 p.m. And it went completely dark. That's how powerful that blood is. It's still that same way today. Amen. So what we're finding and what I want to do with tonight is the fact that far too many of uh, God's children are stuck in ruts or stuck in cycles uh, of failure, cycles of sickness and disease, cycles of poverty and lack. Cycles of, if you allow backsliding. Y'all know anybody like that, you know? Some of y'all might remember when you were like that. You had cycles of backsliding. I remember when I was, when I was a younger, much younger guy, uh, we used to get saved about every week, Deacon Gershom, am I right about it? They used to have at our church, we, got, we had church on Sunday morning, and Sunday evening we had what was called evangelistic service. My dad passed another church in Tampa, and we had it on Friday night, evangelistic service. Evangelistic service, we got saved every, every week because we didn't know uh, that we could walk this thing out. We didn't know about the grace of God that would give us the power and the ability to not get back over in sin. And so we got into cycles of, well, I'm saved and I'm not saved. Saved, walk with God, not walk with God. And people are stuck in these ruts. Uh, stuck in cycles of failure and defeat, stuck in cycles of sickness and disease, cycles of it, cycles of poverty and lack. In fact, there are many, many times you, there's a term we hear in the body of Christ today, we call it generational curses. But ladies and gentlemen, I have some news for you. There are no generational curses. I can show you, I'll prove it tonight where all that's been broken. What you see here are generational cycles that come from generational choices. That, that the Bible says train up a child the way he should go and when he's old he'll not depart from it. So however a parent trains that child is how that child comes up, how that child develops. It's not the child's fault. It's how the, how the parent trains that child. Train. I'm not talking about, talking about bringing to church a couple times a month. I'm talking about train. Train. And so how you train them. In fact, you talk to anybody in the financial arena, they'll tell you that, that all of us uh, generally handle our finances the way our parents handle their finances. We learn that from our parents. Whether, we, whether you learn whether to be deep in debt, whether you learn how to be debt free, whether you learn how to, how to uh, uh, keep, a, keep your checkbook balanced all the time, or whether you learn how to, how to bounce a check trying to beat a check to the bank. You learn that, you watch that behavior. It's a learned behavior. You learn, you can learn alcoholism. 
You can learn all kinds of addictions. You learn these behaviors that, that are patterned and they, 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 are, are, um, they are imitated by the child. Therefore, the results are repeated by the child. So what we're calling many times generational curses are not curses. They're just cycles because of generational choices. And so, there's a saying, I, I, I'm not sure I'm quoting it right, but the, it's something similar to this. Uh, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. There's a guy, Jonathan McReynolds, has a song called Cycles, in fact. And he talks about how, how the devil learns from our mistakes even when we don't. The devil will watch you and he said, oh, you like that. Oh, you like, oh, oh, is that easy? I can get you with that next time. Okay, okay, gotcha. Even if we don't learn. So it keeps you in the cycles. And so, so many times people in the body of Christ are in cycles of, uh, you know, in fact, there's a saying that, that's in, it's not in this church. You won't hear it in this church, but you hear it in the regular church. Sometimes up. Sometimes down, sometimes almost level to the ground, and people sing that and preach that as if that's gospel. And that's not gospel, that's stupid. Because there's no place in scripture that teaches us that we're supposed to be sometimes up and sometimes down. The Bible says the path of the just, Proverbs 4, 18, the path of the just gets brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Proverbs also says that the path of the righteous winds upward, winds upward. You and I are supposed to be upwardly mobile. We're never supposed to be sometimes down. We should never be sometimes level to the ground. Well, how do you be sometimes level to the ground when you're the head, not the tail, above only? See, we have, we have to begin to believe the scripture over, over gospel songs. And people are stuck in, rut, in ruts and cycles because they, they believe the songs. And they keep singing the songs. Reinforcing stupid. <laughs> All right. Now I want to show you this here. I want you to turn to Hebrews 2, please. Hebrews 2. Because what you're going to find, what I want to show you is that people are being defeated by Satan when Satan's already been defeated by Jesus. People are being defeated by Satan, although Satan's already been defeated by Jesus. Hebrews 2.10 uh, calls him, Jesus, the captain of our salvation. Put on the screen for me. Hebrews uh, 2 and verse 10. Let me show you this here. It says, for it was fitting for him, him is Jesus, for whom, read it with me, for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons will throw in daughters to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So Jesus Christ is the captain of your salvation. That word salvation is the Greek word soteria. It's not talking about just you being born again. 
That would be Janeo. It's soteria. It's talking about your, your victory. It's talking about your wellness, your welfare, your well-being. It's, your, it's, it's talking about preservation. It's talking about um, uh, your health and everything about everything good. Yes. But soteria is. So Jesus Christ is the captain of that. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Football teams, baseball teams, basketball teams, they have captains. If you're in the military, you had captains in the military. Somebody, the Bible says David, when he was in, in, the, in the cave at Dulem, the Bible says that uh, all that were in distress and all that were in debt and all that were discontent came to David and David became captain over, come on man, this is good right He became captain over them and when he became captain over them, he led those men into a victorious lifestyle. They came there broke. They came there distressed. They came there in debt, but they got a captain that led them into financial victory. You got it? So Jesus Christ is our captain. Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, the son of David. Our captain. The same way Joshua Yeshua was a captain over Israel. Led them into the promised land. So you and I have Jesus Christ as our captain who leads us into our promised land. So if you and I don't eventually make it into a promised land kind of life, then there's some, some, somehow we're not following captain. Aye, aye, Captain. I yes. remember Captain Kirk. Yes. I like Captain Kirk. <laughs> Captain Kirk, he had swag back in the seventies, wouldn't he? <laughs> Captain Kirk, boy, you know he had swag. He, me he messed around and messed with Lieutenant Uhuru. What? Some of y'all remember. Captain Kirk, he saw that sister back on the. I understand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, so you're in Hebrews 2. Look, look at the. Uh, Praise God. This is right by where I want to go. Go to verse 14. Go to verse 14. Because we're talking about Jesus Christ being the captain of our salvation, right? How he already defeated Satan, and many people are walking around letting Satan defeat them. When I mean, you're letting somebody who's defeated already defeat, who's already defeated, defeat you. You can't lose to a loser. I mean, if you were, if you were in any any sports league, it's embarrassing if you lose to a loser. I mean, don't you want to lose to the Cleveland Browns? You know what I'm saying? You don't ever let the worst team in the league beat you. And Satan is defeated already. Are you hearing this here? And so there's no reason in the world you and I should ever lose to him. And I'm not, I'm not picking on y'all because I know y'all are winning on every side, right? Come on now. But there's a whole lot of people that they're not winning. They're losing. They're in a rut. They're stuck in cycles of failure and defeat. 
and poverty and lack and sickness and disease and backsliding. Losing to a loser. Tell your neighbor, don't lose to a loser. Tell them, don't lose. Period. <laughs> Says here, watch this, uh, verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children, that's you and me, have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus Christ himself, likewise shared in the same. So he became flesh and blood just like we are, right? That through, come on, through death, did he die? He died, didn't he die? Through death, he might destroy him. Might do what? Destroy. Might destroy him who had the power of death, in case you're not sure who he's talking about. That is the devil. So Jesus Christ already destroyed. Everybody say destroyed. The devil's been destroyed. Now the Bible says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he could do that until he got destroyed. There's no way in the world a destroyed person or destroyed being should be destroyed, destroying people. Definitely shouldn't be destroying no, no believer. You got it? So he's been destroyed. Go to the, uh, verse 15, please. Verse 15. It says, and, so he didn't just destroy the devil. He said, but by doing this, he released those who all their life, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to. Bondage. Subject to being trapped. Subject to stuck in a rut. Subject to stuck in a cycle. That's what it is. When you're subject to bondage, you're stuck. In other words, you make, you make a move and it seems like you're about to make it, all of a sudden, boom, right back where it starts. That's never happened to anybody here, I know. It feel like, man, okay, I'm getting some traction all of a sudden. Oh, darn. I know about it, trust me, I know about it. Until I learned who I was and what I had, I was stuck. Cycle. I mean, you know about it. We, we make fun of it. People who, they have the tax season come up. Tax season come up. Get four, five, six thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Boy, just come up, boy, praise the Lord. And you look up in a minute like, what happened? There's a cycle. It's a cycle. Because they'll be crying the last eight months of the year. Until January come around again. I can't wait to January. <laughs> and stuck in a cycle. Why? They've not, they've not uh, understood that they have been released. All right? So I'm going to deal with this. We're going we're gonna to talk about this a little bit tonight here, all right? Now, it says, go back to verse 14, please, again. It says that Jesus Christ, he destroyed, that he might destroy him. Destroy. That word destroy in the Greek is the word katargio. Katargio. 
which means to render, this is what he did to the devil, to render idle, unemployed. He fired the devil. The devil got fired. <laughs> inactive or inoperative he 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 um, the devil broke down let's just put it that way he broke, broke him down notice the end of this here it says to cause a person or thing to have no further efficiency now you got you got to explain me something here Lucy I mean, I remember Lucille Ball, Ricky Ricardo. He said, Lucy, you got some explaining to do. How is a joker who has been deactivated, unemployed, to have no further efficiency, deprived of force, influence, or power, how is he still whipping people? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. It's because, well, I, I'm just giving you my, my reason tonight. This, this, is, this is not the totality of reasons. It's just part of the reason. It's because one, and I'm talking about people who are, who are well-meaning. I'm not talking about people who you ain't really, you ain't really, definitely talking about sinners. And I'm not talking about the Christians who they ain't really trying to serve God. You know they're Christians who are just not really trying to serve God. Y'all don't know. Y'all know them to the side. There are some Christians out there who are just not really trying to serve God. I'm a Christian in name only. I go to church on Sunday. You know, I show my face and everything. That's about it. They just, they just, they're, as we call them in our house, they're those kind of Christians. You see a lot of those kinds of Christians. We're not those kinds of Christians. I'm serious about my relationship with the Lord. Glory to God. So I'm talking about people who are like you and me, who are serious. We want to serve God. We want the things of God. We're not playing with the devil. An issue has to be that we've not understood the power of the blood. We've not under, simply not understood the power of the blood. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you all uh, uh, can, can, can say truthfully that every day, seven days a week, you go out, go about pleading the blood? No. no. Most times, not even think of, you're not thinking about the blood. Am I right about it? Most of us, we're not thinking about the blood. I know I'm right. Right. We're not thinking about the blood. And yet, the blood... I mean, three of the most powerful forces we've been given, the blood, the word, and the name. The blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and the word, which is Jesus. I mean, that, that's, 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 our, that's our power pack right there. And most times we don't think about the blood. Right? But we're changing that here. Okay, because the blood has power. All right, now, let's talk about that here. Uh, Sunday I showed you, uh, told you about three things that the blood, blood has power to do. Or it, 
I'm talking about how the blood of Jesus has cleansing power. Everybody say it has cleansing power. Okay, 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Remember that? Hebrews 9, 14, the blood of Christ will cleanse your conscience from dead works. So the blood of Jesus has cleansing power. Then we said the blood of Jesus Christ has overcoming power. Right? Revelation 12, verse 11 says they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives to the death. I like that part. No sign we don't hear about that part. They love not their lives to the death. So uh, you, the, the blood will give us power to overcome. That's what we talked about, pleading the blood. Yes, you can plead the blood over yes. your whole life, right. over your body, yes, over your family, your children, your marriage, over your, over your car. Yes. Yes. Come on now. Yes. You know, we got... A lot of times, we, we don't pray uh, about traveling mercy unless we go in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right about it? If you go into Tampa, go into Pasco, you're going right about this. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's kind, of, kind, of, kind of like the dilemma of, of what, what do you pray for when you sit down? When you sit down to eat, you know, do I, do I have to bless my food if it's just potato chips? You know what I'm saying? You, you know, what, at what point does, do you have to bless the food? If it's hot, if it's cold, you know. If it's a cupcake, do I have to bless the... Come on now. You better pray over that cupcake. You weren't in that kitchen when they made that. You don't know if they washed their hands. Come on now. So just think about when we're, when we're getting on the road. If we're not going past 40, 40 uh, miles, you know, we ain't going 30 miles out of town. Just jump in the car and ride. Now, I'm not picking on you because I'm just telling you, you know me, I don't think about it all the time, but I know before I've left home that day, I've already gotten up in the morning, I prayed over my whole day and pled, pled the blood of Jesus Christ over my whole family and my whole everything about us. You understand? But if you're not doing that, see, the authority is in your mouth. Well, won't God just do it? No. He gave you legislative authority on this earth. I plead the blood over my car and my house and my children and my family. Glory to God. I mean, who watching your house right now while y'all sitting there? You hope so. I mean, how you know? If you said so. See, I remember when Pastor Apostle Derby came here a couple years back and taught on that hedge of blessing, hedge of protection. And I remember I literally did, I did exactly what it said. I walked the whole perimeter of my property. And every few feet I stop, London Angel right here. And when I pray every day, I'm thanking God for those angels stationed all around our property. See, we got to know we have power. And we have to use it. We got to release it. So uh, the blood has overcoming power. 
All right, then we said lastly, the blood of Jesus has redeeming power. Everybody say redeeming power. Redeeming power. Pull up for me, please, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 in the Passion Translation. I just want to read that again. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 in the Passion Translation. Glory to God. Let's see what that says, all right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So cleansing power, overcoming power, redeeming power. Look at this here. It says he has rescued us completely. Completely. Everybody say completely. completely. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, bold some of these words here, you know, in your mind. Completely. Because I'm trying to get across to you that you and I should never be stuck in a, in a cycle or rut or going back through stuff that we've conquered. Y'all didn't like that. Well, I'm just, it's just going through it again. It's just it's a season. You have to go, what are you talking about? Stop listening to them people preaching that foolishness out there. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. The devil is a tyrant. The devil don't play no games, man. When the devil come at you, he don't cut nothing about you. He don't care if he embarrass you. He don't care if you embarrass your children. He don't care if he, if he get you and leave your, your underwear showing. He don't care nothing about, he don't care nothing about none of that. And he's hard. You ever seen the way he, he gets people, man, destroy people's lives? Get them on strung out and all that kind of stuff. That's tyrannical rule. Oh, I can stop if I want to. They can't stop. They can't stop. Well, I can stop gambling. No, you can't. They can't just stop. I can stop drinking. No, you can't. He's, he's, a, he's a tyrant. <laughs> he forced you to get up at night worrying. Get up and worry, I told you. Get up and worry. Am I right about it? I said no sleep tonight. You get up and worry about those bills. I need you to worry about tomorrow what, to, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. Get up and worry about it. But devil, I got to go, be up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't care what time it is. Get up and worry. Pace that floor. on your kids. Slap your wife. Just go crazy. Just go crazy. And then you get people, they, they get through stuff like that. I don't know why. I don't know what got into me. I don't know why I did that. You are under the tyrannical rule of, the, of darkness. The devil is real. Okay? But it says you and I have been completely, matter, matter of fact, a tyrannical rule, you, 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 again, here, come, here comes the money. The money comes. Here comes the money in your hands. Oh, boy, this is going to change my life. Spend it. Go spend that money. Go down to the mall and spend all that money. Go eat two lobster and crabs. You deserve it. I'm telling you what 
not, 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 uh, listen, nothing wrong with lobster and crabs. But when you don't have money, when, when, this, when you, you just got your influx, you get a choice. The king of Salem shows up and the king of Sodom shows up. Y'all remember Genesis 14? When Abraham came and all that, all that stuff, the king of Sodom showed up and the king of Salem showed up. Okay? Glory to God. So, but you and I, I've been completely rescued from the tyrannical rule, tyrannical rule of darkness. In other words, the devil can't make me do anything. What was that? What was that? Flip Wilson? Who was it? The devil made me do it. Mm, the devil can't make me do anything. And has translated us into the kingdom realm. That's where you and I live. That's our headquarters right there. That's how we rule by the kingdom realm here. Of his beloved son. Give me verse 14, please. Verse 14. For in the son, all our sins are canceled. And, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. So everybody say, all my sins are canceled. Shout about that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I have the release of redemption. I've been released. Now what troubles the penal system of America is something called a recidivism rate. That they can chart uh, all these uh, people who've gone through corrections but didn't actually get corrected because they end up back in the hole again. But you and I aren't supposed to be cycling in and out. Once we're out, See, that, that's, that's how, now, y'all don't get mad at me when I say this. That's how you know a person who's free. People who are not free keep counting from, you know, hey, I'm, I'm six months sober. Come on, come on. Six months clean and sober. You'll be back. I, have, I have people get mad at me when I told them that. Stop counting. She stopped counting because, see, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. If you knew, you ain't never been in jail. You ain't never been strung out. You knew. You what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm 18 days, six months, three weeks, and you know, two hours clean and sober. You're still attached to that? When do you ever get free? Now don't get mad at that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you, you've been completely rescued. You ain't on, you're not on no papers. You're not on probation. You ain't got to check in with no parole officer. The redemption is real. The release of redemption, all right? Now, okay, now, the blood of Jesus Christ, I told you this the other day, redeemed us from sin, sickness, poverty, and spiritual death, right? Four issues right there, sin, 
sickness, poverty, and spiritual death. Okay? Now, the sickness came as a result originally of sin. Poverty came originally as a result of sin, and so did spiritual death. Those are all things that Adam began to experience immediately. When he got into sin, sickness came in. Well, how do you know the Bible didn't talk about him being sick? Well, how did he die? Because he was designed to live forever. If he hadn't sinned, Adam would have still been walking around here buck naked. And you wouldn't have known it. <laughs> right? So sickness had to get in there. It, it, it just took the devil 900 some years to teach him how to die. Now he teaches people how to die in 30 years. Teaches people how to die in 70 years. You follow me? He, te he has to teach you that. And his whole system is designed to teach people that. So sickness, poverty. I mean, Adam became poor, man. He had to go out there and he said, God said, you got to work by the sweat of your brow. That's how you're going to be by the sweat of your brow. That's poverty. And spiritual death, immediately, boom, he lost that fellowship with God. Okay? But the blood has redeemed all of us from, from that. Now, go to Hebrews 10, 28 and 29. We looked at this Sunday. I want to read it again because this is, this is so important. This is so important. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 28 and 29 says this. Anyone who has rejected uh, Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So you can reject those in, under the law. They rejected Moses' law, okay? Now go to verse 29, please. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has, now this is talking about now us under the new covenant, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, three things here, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. So people get over in the willful sin are doing three things. Trampling Jesus Christ underfoot, counting his blood as common, and insulting the Spirit of grace. You got it? Yes, Willful sin. Willful sin. This is what happens. Right? Now, what I said to you, and this is, they're going to put this on the screen for us, please. To accept sickness and disease or poverty and lack is just as disgraceful, dishonorable, and disrespectful to the blood of Jesus as willful sin. Okay. Oh, I, ho I hope it I hope it changes a lot for everybody in here. Because what what's happened is we have we have made listen to me we have made um, living well physically living well financially optional. In other words, I don't need all that as long as I make it to heaven. Long as I make it in, I don't need all that. That's for some people. God don't need everybody to be rich. God don't need that. Ain't that ain't what that ain't what God's. Listen. Remember we read the scripture when Jesus said uh, about in First Corinthians eleven about drink ye all of it. This cup, my blood in the New Testament, drink ye all of it. Drink ye all of it. He's not talking about slurp. 
People get, gonna slurp all every little drop out of the cup. That ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about take all that I provided for you. Get, take everything I did. When I died on the cross for you, when I shed my blood, it was for your sin, it was for your sickness, it was for your poverty, it was for death. I took care of all of it. So when you take this drink, take all of it. And he didn't say, uh, I encourage you to take all of it. That was an order. That was a direct order from the captain of our salvation. Drink all of it. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. That was a direct order from the captain of our salvation. If you were to ever in the military disobey your captain. Gershon, what happens to you in the military if you disobey direct orders from one of your superior officers? Court martial, jail. You can do what? What's the last thing you said? Kick out of the service. At the very least, you'll you'll be down in the uh, in the in the in in the latrine, scrubbing floors, peeling potatoes. It'll be some hard. It's gonna be a hard night, boy. Lose your rank. Lose your rank, which means you lose your pay. When you disobey direct orders from your superior officer, they call it insubordination in, in y'all corporate you know, people. Us military people understand it differently. But y'all corporate people, civilians, y'all understand it's insubordination. <laughs> you see? So our captain gave us a direct order. Drink all of it. Chris, they're not getting what I'm saying. You being rich is not an option. You living in divine health is not an option. It's a direct command from our commanding officer. Man, 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 that's, that's worth the price of admission right there tonight. See, and what's happening is, is we've been talked out of it by the religious church, which is from the enemy himself, to get us in disobedience to our commanding officer, our superior officer, to our commander-in-chief. That is, you know, we don't need all that. As long as I got King Jesus, that's I need nobody else. In silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Yeah, but Jesus the one told you, go get that silver and gold. That's mine. He, God said, all the silver is mine. All the gold is mine. You know what he said in the book of Haggai? All the gold is mine. All the silver is mine. He said, it's mine. So if we don't have it, then we leave it in the hands of our enemy. Glory to God. So it's disgraceful, dishonorable, and disrespectful to the blood of Jesus if we accept. I'm not talking about if you are any, because all of us start out, you know, unless, you know, unless you... You know, 
born to royalty. You know, this little baby that was born over in, in, in Great Britain, you know, he, he born, he good. Right, but he born in spiritual death. He born in sickness and, and disease. So uh, we've, we, 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 have to, we have to now attain to uh, what God is telling us to, to get. Something, how many of y'all know Jesse DePlantis? Some, something Jesse DePlantis says, says all the time about when you, when you go into the things of God like that, particularly in the area of finances, People want to make it, that call it greed. And he said, it's not greed, it's growth. It's not greed, it's growth. You got to grow up in him and all. Grow up, the Bible says grow up in him in all things. The Bible says grow up in him in all things. I, I, I can see the smoke kind of coming right out of some of y'all ears. Y'all like... Grow up. Grow up. You know, get Galatians 4, verse 1 on the screen. You know what happens when, if you don't grow up? Galatians 4, verse 1. I'm all, I'm all off, off, off page right here. Now I say that the heir. No, go back. Go, go, go to 326. Let's start at 326. Let's start at 326. Glory to God. Galatians 326. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Right? Sons and of God. Verse 27. 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Are we still talking about us so far? Verse 28. There is, there, there is neither uh, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, black or white. Come on now. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That means that nobody is, can disqualify themselves based on, you know, uh, I'm not from so-and-so. He just put us all in the same pot. Verse 29 now, this is where we're going, verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are what? And heirs according to the promise. So everybody, if, are, do you belong to Christ? All right, then you are also what? And if you're Abraham's seed, then you're also what? An you're an heir according to the promise. The Bible says Abraham had the promise that he of he heir of the whole world. The promise to Abraham was that he'd be the heir of the whole world. My goodness. And so I'm an heir. Right? Now go, go to chapter 4 and verse 1. Tell your neighbor it's time to grow up. Chapter 4, verse 1. Come on, watch this. This, this is where we started here. Now I say that the Still talking about us, right? As long as he is immature, as long as he refuses to grow up, does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is master of all. So the heir is master of all right now. Your neighbor didn't catch that. Help him out. Help him. Help him. Help your neighbor. They, they didn't catch that. They didn't get it. Ask him, did you get that? Did you, do you understand that? Do you understand? He just called, if you're an heir, he called you a master of all. 
Uh, give me that same, same in the, um, let's, let's try the message. I think, I think the message says it one way. I like message translation. I want to I see, if, see if your cousin can get this next, next to you. Uh, verse one in the uh, message. Uh, let me show you. Okay, yes, that's, this works, but that's not the one I'm looking for. Let me show you the implications of this. As long as the heir is a minor, he has no advantage over the slave. Though legally... Ask me, but do you see it yet? Do you see it yet? So legally, you own, you own, you own, legally, you own the entire estate. And here we are in cycles of poverty. Ruts. And he's saying, you own the entire estate. You know all that stuff we got there? We like, ooh, ooh, look at that. He says yours. You own it. I don't need all that. You immature. You're a child. You're a minor. You're a minor. Minors got to stay in the minor leagues. Minors still need tutors and administrators until whatever date the father has set for emancipation. Uh, give me uh, the amplified on that. Let's let's try that one. Let me, let me look at that. This is this is off off my off my notes here, but I just I just got to say what the, what the Lord's saying. Okay. Now what I mean is that as long as the inheritor heir is a child and under age. He does not differ from a slave, although he's the master of all the estate. That's what I'm looking for, the master of all the estate. So although he is legally, you are the master of all the estate. Lord, I wasn't trying to go that way. Oh, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. I'm just telling you, grow up. Grow up in him in all things. Grow up. And possess what our commanding officer told us to possess. Don't listen to your cousins. You know that he was talking about Abraham here? That was a question. Y'all know he was talking about Abraham here, right? In chapter 3? You know, you know the first thing God told Abraham? Get away from your crazy people. Get away from all your kindred, from all your family, from your father's house, from your country, get away from all them people because I got, a, I got some place I'm trying to show you and you ain't going to be able to see it and you keep hanging and having cookouts with them because they keep talking stupid and you keep hearing stupid. They can tell you we don't need all that and that man over there crazy on that church around there so I don't know, see why you're going. Shut up!
I told Abraham, I'm trying to take you to an inheritance, man. I got something I want to give you. I want to give you. Abraham was stuck. His, his dad and, all, and his brothers, they died in, in the previous city, stuck. So God had to say, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to get you out of this cycle, out of this rut, I need to get you away from your people. Some of y'all problem is you refuse to leave your people. Your people too important to you. And my people. Your people sick, you're going to be sick. Your people broke, you're going to be broke. <laughs> How you like me now? <laughs> Glory to God. Go back to Hebrews 9, please. Hebrews 9. Because we don't belong in ruts. We don't belong in cycles of failure. Cycles of defeat. Cycles of poverty. Cycles of lack. Cycles of sickness and disease. We belong in cycles of victory and success. So Hebrews 9, where we read our, our key verses here, uh, we were talking about how the Lord Jesus died once and for all, shed his blood once and for all, and gave us eternal redemption, right in verse 12. Now I want to tell you, in this, in this section here, Paul had been teaching the, the Hebrews, the Hebrew Christians, uh, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, the old priesthood and the new priesthood. You go back and read these chapters prior to this, he was showing them there, that there's a new priesthood in place, a new priesthood in force, a new covenant that's in force. And because there's a new, a new uh, priesthood, there had a new covenant, there had to be a new priesthood. Go back, go back and read that. In fact, let's, let's look at uh, chapter 7 real quick. Chapter 7, verse 11. I want you to see this with your own eyes. 7, verse 11. Y'all okay? Yes, sir. <laughs> I refuse to stay a juvenile. Does anybody see what I'm talking about here? I mean, do you see it from the scripture here? That you and I coming into our uh, wealthy place, coming into our uh, divine health and our divine life is not optional. No longer make it optional. This, is, this isn't about just us having, you know, a good praise report. Can I been telling you, I want to give the Lord praise. This, this isn't just about that. This is about us um, running the estate. Proverbs 29.2, right? When the righteous are in authority, when the righteous become great, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people groan. So the reason why the world is groaning, the reason the world is in a, in a mess, the reason why the world is, oh, they, they discombobulated is because the righteous have not risen to our greatness. We've not risen to our authority. Okay? All right. Chapter 711, verse, y'all got it? 
Therefore, perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for, un, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek? Y'all remember Melchizedek? You saw him back in Genesis uh, 14. And not be called according to the order of Aaron. So we saw a different line. Verse 12, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Okay? So the priesthood, Jesus Christ should not have been in the priesthood if it stayed under Aaron. Because Jesus Christ was not of the tribe of Levi. He was, he was not uh, in, the, in the Aaronic lineage. He was from the tribe of Judah. Very good class. From the tribe of Judah. So he was not entitled to become priest. But God changed the priesthood. And by necessity, changed the law. Okay? All right, now, verse 18, same chapter. Verse 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Watch verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. So if it made nothing perfect or complete, then people were still stuck in cycles. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest how long? According to the order of Melchizedek, not according to the order of Aaron, according to the order of Melchizedek. And I'm trying to teach you all about Melchizedek. We know about him without father, or without mother, without descent, and so on and forth. We can talk about things like that. Verse 22. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety or a guarantee of what? Of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Got it? So you had a priest who rise up, but because he, he wasn't living forever, they had to go to another priest. Keep replacing him. And, uh, okay, I'll, I'll show you this here in a minute. Everybody say cycle. cycle. Verse 24, but he. But he. He breaking the cycle here. Because he continues forever has an unchangeable. <laughs> Therefore. Therefore, watch this cycle breaking here. He is also able to save to the uttermost or save completely or save forever. That means when you get saved under, under him, through him, you don't have to stay in cycles anymore. You don't have to keep going back, back, over and over and over again through the same stuff. I'm back in it again. I'm back in it again. No, not under him. You've been, you and I have been saved to the uttermost, to perfection. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives. He didn't die. He doesn't die. He always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is what? Harmless, undefiled. Come on. What from sinners? Jesus, friend of sinners. No, that's not what that says. It says separate from sinners. And has become higher than the heavens. Verse 27. 
he, uh, sorry, who does not need daily as those priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did, come on, once, once for all when he offered up How many times? Once and for all. Verse 28, for the law appoints as high priest men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. You got it? Okay, chapter 9, verse 11. That's what we started out, right? Now, please switch real quick to the the Amplified Bible, please. Hebrews 9, we're going to look at 11 and 12, Amplified. I want you to see this here. It says, but that appointed time came when Christ the Messiah appeared as, high, as, a, as a high priest of the what? Better things. Better things that have come and then through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with human hands. That is not a part of this material creation. Keep going, please. He went once for all into the what? Of heaven, not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves, by which to make reconciliation between God and man, but his own blood having found and secured a complete redemption and everlasting release. That's our captain. So, because he has secured a complete redemption. I'll just keep putting in, 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 in penal terms. You're not on papers. You're not on probation. You're not, you don't have a parole officer. You don't have to keep checking in. You, don't, you understand? You got complete redemption. He says, and ever, yeah, you ain't got to pay any restitution either. An everlasting release. You, you got your voting rights back. What's your vote? I vote Jesus. An everlasting release for us. Everlasting. So if it's everlasting, that means we're not having to go through cycles anymore. Now, I want you to notice three key phrases in that verse right here. Three key phrases. Once for all, complete redemption, and everlasting release. You see those three? Once for all, complete redemption, and everlasting release. Glory to God. That means everything has been made perfect, done. Glory to God. Now, y'all have time for a little bit more. Okay, go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Because without Jesus Christ shedding his blood for us, you and I will be left to go through cycles. Hebrews 10, verse 1, verse 2. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, how often? Year by year, year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. But verse 3, let me read that. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Now, anybody who understands how it was under the Levitical priesthood, what happened? Every year, the priest had to go in and offer sacrifices. Every year, the priest would first, have, again, have to make sure he sacrificed for himself. 
Some of y'all have studied this. You know the priest would go in behind that veil in that Holy of Holies and they, they would tie a rope to him. Some sort of string of rope to him. And they'd have a bell, something on it that would make noise. And that, that, was, that was to indicate that he was still alive. Because if, if they ever got to a point where they didn't hear that bell anymore, they'd just pull him on out. Why would they pull him out? Because that means he dropped dead. He had not been clean. And you couldn't be unclean in the presence of holy God. So that rope, they just put him, come on out. Next up, we need the next one, come on. He wasn't ready. It's, it's some... <laughs> he had a little hidden thing he didn't tell us about. So what happened? They had to go over this year by year. They, in fact, in, in the Jewish uh, faith, they have something called a day of atonement. They celebrate Yom Kippur. They, they go and all they, they had was an, an atonement for their sins, but there was no remission of sins. You and I have complete redemption. So because there was only atonement, atonement, um, some of y'all remember something called whiteout? You know, now you use word processors and stuff like that, computers. Computers, I'm saying word processors. You use computers and you, you simply hit delete and it takes away that image. It never prints at all. But back in the day, we, well, we had just typewriters. How many of y'all remember typewriters? Some of y'all never heard of it, never seen a typewriter. We had typewriters, even in the early days of word processing. Uh, you type something, and you couldn't take it off the page. You had to go get a, you had a little bottle of something called whiteout. You take that whiteout, and you cover over it. And then go try to type on top of it. You, you white it out, and you go... That was always hard when you were writing a report and the report due the next morning in school. <laughs> Hated that whiteout. What, what was the thing about whiteout? Whiteout never got rid of what you had typed. It only covered it over. So if somebody really was nosy, curious, turn it over and kind of see, oh, I still, I still see your error. I still see your mistakes. So with atonement, which is all that they had, all it was was white out. It just simply covered over, but people could really still see. And the problem was you could still see because you still had what the Bible, what we just read, a consciousness of sins. So because there's a consciousness of your sins, you're stuck in a cycle of repeating those sins. So they have to go year after year. Let's do it again. Year after year, let's do it again. Because you've got a consciousness of sins, you're living in condemnation, so you don't know how to receive the things of God. But when Jesus Christ came, he didn't come to atone. The Bible says he, came, he became the propitiation for our sins, which means he became the ransom price paid for it all. Didn't just cover it up, he totally deleted it all. So because he deleted it all now, there is for us no more consciousness of our sins. Which now liberates us to walk in the fullness of our inheritance. So we're not stuck in the cycle of repeating those things over and over and over again. My goodness. That's some good teacher right there. Okay, Hebrews 10, 
uh, 1 through 3. Let's drop down to verse 11, please. Verse 11. It says, and every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. As we just said, it's just white out. But this man, but this man, capital M-A-N, this man, I love it how it calls him man. This man, because he's still a man. Even in heaven, there's, there's a man in heaven. There's a man on the, on the, on the, on the throne. So Paul said, the, Paul called him the man Christ Jesus. So it says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. Sat down means it's, it's done. Sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. I'm going to read verse 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Are you, are you understanding, ladies and gentlemen, I hope, hope you've grasped this concept tonight that we're no longer meant to operate and be stuck in cycles of repeating the same sins over and over again, repeating uh, same sicknesses over and over again. Well, it's, it's that time of year again. I guess I'm going to get the flu again. That's, we have flu cycles? Cold cycles? Well, you know, my, my dad had diabetes or sugar. So, I'm a, you know, I'm going to have sugar too. That's, that, no, no, no. If you're doing that, that's a cycle that you're repeating that you're not supposed to be repeating. Well, I'm a, you know, mama had breast cancer, so, you know, I'm a, you got people now, they, they doing preemptive stuff like having breasts removed when they don't have breast cancer because their mama or their grandmama had breast cancer. What? You mean you don't have it? Well, I don't want to get it. Okay, just don't get it. We don't have no choice. You, you do have a choice. Now, I understand if you, if you didn't know this coming up, if you, or you didn't know this in your Christian life, then yeah, you, the devil will come after you with stuff. But now that you know, now that you know, kick him out. You got it? Glory to God. All right, let me, let, let me, let me try to finish here. Let me try to finish here. Okay. So, I want you to understand this tonight. We talked about the blood of Jesus has cleansing power, has overcoming power, has redeeming power. I want you to add this to your list. The blood of Jesus breaks cycles. The blood of Jesus breaks cycles. A cycle is simply defined as a series of events that are regularly repeated in the same order. It's just actions that, have been, that are repeated. Man, it seems like every time I go out there, man, something happened. Well, if you say so. Or stop going out there. <laughs> or both. Now, I said to you, so many people are stuck in a cycle of, of, of sickness and, and, or poverty or, or, again, if you allow backsliding. You understand? If, I, if you allow that phrase. 
because backsliding is not really a New Testament phrase. You understand that? Right. Some of y'all don't understand that. Backsliding is not really a New Testament phrase. That's not really a New Testament believer uh, phrase. You and I don't really uh, backslide. God's married to the backslide. He's talking about backsliding Israel. But that's not a New Testament reality for us. You and I, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're not backsliders. Okay? Y'all got it? Okay. Y'all Ivy League students here, right? Okay. Now, remember what we read in Colossians 1.13. In verse 14, Colossians 1.13 said, you and I have been delivered from the power of darkness. Okay, that means you and I are no longer under the power of darkness. We've been redeemed through Jesus Christ's blood. Okay? So, let's go to another place here real quick. Galatians 3.13.14, y'all know this. Y'all know this very well. Okay? Let's finish this in about four minutes. Because I want you to make sure you, you get this here. You may want to write it down, all you black people. The curse is broken. You know how to say that, right? Because people walk around like the black man, we cursed. We, we from Ham and we cursed. That's what all, all, all your black Hebrews like folk want to tell you and get, get your cousins all out there growing their beers all along and, and not eating pork and all that kind of stuff like that. <laughs> and you eat no bacon, all that. Shut up. Bacon is a good thing, bro. Bacon is a good thing. Beautiful thing. Bacon will change a salad. Bacon will change a burger. Bacon will change a pizza. Bacon will change chicken nuggets. Bacon will change everything. Bacon change french fries. Bacon change everything. Mom, are we having Brussels sprouts uh, with bacon? With bacon? <laughs> okay, but I want you to understand the curse is broken. So even if you believe that there's a generational curse on your family, the curse has been broken. And you are not doomed to repeat the failures of your fathers. You are not doomed to repeat uh, uh, the, 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 the calamities of your forefathers. You are not doomed to do that. No, you and I, for you and I, the curse has been broken. And I have a choice. I don't have to go down like that. I don't have to go out like that. I have a choice now. Galatians 3.13, y'all know this, right? It says Christ has redeemed us. Come on. From the curse of the law. We need to say redeemed us from the curse. What's the curse of the law? You read uh, Genesis chapter, uh, Deuteronomy 28, starting from verse 15 all the way down to verse 64, whatever it is. You see all the stuff. You go through that list, man, there's some stuff in there. Mildew and inflammation. 
That's like arthritis. Huh? Y'all ain't sending to me. Arthritis, inflammation in your joints, that's part of the curse. You've been redeemed from that. Well, no, I'm just getting old. That's part of the curse. You've been redeemed from the curse. You reading there about repossession? That's part of the curse. I know that's evil. I had them bangs in the middle of the night. Them chinga, 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 chinga chains in the middle of the night coming, but get my God. That's, I've, had, I've had it happen to me before in my life. More than, more than twice. But not no more. So you go through that curse, all kind of sicknesses and diseases and poverty. You shall not prosper. That's part of the curse. Okay? All that's there in the curse. So you and I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. It says, uh, uh, Christ, he having become a curse for us. Well, when did he become a curse? On the cross. On the cross where he shed his blood. And when he shed his blood, he became a curse. He took all of that curse unto and unto himself for it is written, curse everyone hangs on the tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. That same promise that he be heir of the world. He, we receive that same. He didn't say he received the Spirit. He said the promise of the Spirit. Abraham, Abraham didn't have a Holy Ghost. Abraham, the blessed Abraham, had nothing to do with no Holy Ghost, no Spirit. He's the heir of the world. It's all a natural stuff. I'll take it. They don't want it, Chris. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know why? I have to take it. I'm under direct orders from my superior officer. Be rich. Be healed. Be set free. Be delivered. Be anointed. Be whole. Be strong. You're under direct orders from your commanding officer. And to make sure you could do it, he became a curse. He took all that. So now, now what, what is the curse? What is the curse? It's the empowerment to fail. The curse is the empowerment to fail. So if there's an empowerment to fail, then that means that, means that, that you, get, you are stuck in a cycle of failure. Because that's the empowerment that's on you. So when there's an empowerment to fail, Deacon Mac, you can look, look up like, like okay, I'm, it's, it's work, things are working out. Things are working out. It's coming up. Okay, I'm coming up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. Things are moving now. But because that curse is on you, it's just gone. Back. Because it's a cycle. The curse has one direction. And you're trying to drag yourself like, ooh, pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm going to make some up myself. Nope. Before you know it, you're right back down. Y'all, I know y'all, you all can't relate to this, but this, there are people in this, on this planet who they're, they're they, they trying all they can. Every year they get a new lease on life. Make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to do something this year. And they start out, all before you know it. Right back where I started from. What's happened? Operating under the curse. They're stuck in a cycle of, of failure. A cycle of defeat. 
it just repeats over and over. You'll see him, you'll talk to him, hey, how you doing? Ooh, child, things going so good. Things going so well right now. Ooh, it's really good. Call him back three months later. Uh, I don't know why. What happened? They're stuck in a cycle. You, every one of us, we know somebody like that. But if we have been redeemed from the curse, and we have been given now the blessing of Abraham, we have now moved to a different cycle. We are now in a cycle of prosperity. If the curse is an empowerment to fail, we, know that we already know that the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. You and I know that already. So now we, you and I get in a cycle of, of, of prosperity. That means that when the devil tries to get us down, I'm going to knock him down. The just man falls seven times, but he gets back up every time. Y'all miss it. The just man falls seven times, but he gets back up every time. Why? He's in a cycle of, of success. He's in a cycle of success. He, he, he doesn't end up down. He always ends up up. From this day forward, may you always end up up. May you no, never, no longer in your life end up down. When things are going good, it's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder and better and better and better because you have entered into a cycle now of prosperity and success and victory and your days will get brighter and brighter and brighter till the Lord comes himself. He changed it. He broke all that. He snatched me out of the power of darkness. Put me in the kingdom of his son. The kingdom is a success kingdom, a victory kingdom, a whole kingdom, a prosperous kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. A rich kingdom. Unlimited riches kingdom. Y'all have read that scripture, right? When a just man falls seven times? It's not talking about sin. You'll hear those kind of Christians make it about sin. Y'all remember those kind of Christians? They make that scripture about sin. Well, you know, we, we fall. I fell again, but I'm going to get back up. That is not what that Bible's talking about. It's talking about the just man might be knocked down. Because you have an adversary, the devil, coming against you. You might fall seven times, but you're going to get back up every time. Rejoice not over me, O oh my enemy, when I fall, for I shall arise. That's what your Bible says. I shall arise. I'm in a prosperity cycle. I shall arise. I'm in a blessing cycle. I shall arise. I'm in a victory cycle. I shall arise. I'm in a success cycle. I'm a success going somewhere to happen. I'm victory going somewhere to happen. I'm in that cycle of victory. I just keep on winning. Even when it looked like I'm, I'm not winning. When it looked like I'm losing, deep, I'm still winning. Because eventually, before all the time runs out on the clock, I'm going to come out on top of this thing. I'm going to come out victorious because he always causes me to triumph.
Alright, so let me say this to you real quick. Let me say this to you real quick. Everybody say the blood. Now I dealt with the fact that Christ is our Passover. He is our sacrifice. We talked, we just read that through that in Hebrews. So remember the children of Israel, they they were in a cycle of failure. 400 years. If, if, you, if you go back and you check biblically, biblically, what, what we would call a generation would be about 50 years. About 50 years. So in 400 years, that's what, eight generations? Which means eight generations of failure. Eight generations of affliction. Eight generations of poverty. Give me uh, Exodus 3 and verse... Um, uh, seven. Exodus three and verse seven. Let's let's. Is that right? Yeah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And the Lord said, "I have surely seen the oppression." That word oppression is is the Hebrew word oni o n i y, which literally means affliction, poverty, and misery. So God said, "I have seen the affliction, poverty, and misery of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. That word sorrow, sorrow literally means I know their pain." God says, "I know their pain. Every generation in pain. Grandmama in pain. Mama in pain. Child in pain. Well, what's natural? The next generation." And just when they think they're going to get out deep, this might be our time to get out. We crown it to God and the next generation comes up. We're still, we, we still living in the hood. We're still living in these projects. We still, we still can't, can't make a dollar to 15 cents. We still, we still dying at 35 years old. We still, we still everybody in our family, as long as we live 75 years old, oh my God. Oh, we, we still struggling. We still, we still, we still having, having our people, our people, they, 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 they drinking and, 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 and getting drunk and they getting all kind of liver disease and everything. It's just repeated over generation after generation after generation. Of the uh, they divorce in this generation and the, the next generation divorce in that generation the next generation divorce and just repeat it over and over and over and over again cycles but God said I got an exit plan I want you to know tonight God has an exit plan for your life an exit plan for your family, an exit plan for your children. He's going to increase you more and more, you and your children. You are not going to diminish. You're going to increase because God has an exit plan for your life to get you off that, off that merry-go-round. Merry-go-rounds make me sick. Anybody tired of being on a merry-go-round of life, going around and around and around, you just want to throw up and tired of that. So he said, I got an exit plan. So I'm going to send a man before you. I'm going to have a man preach deliverance to you. I'm going to have him preach, we're about to leave up out of here. I'm going to have him preach about the God, the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who y'all all, you all might have forgot about, but God had, had not forgotten about you. God has a promise to keep to Abraham, and even though it's 400 years later, I'm going to keep that promise that I made to my servant. I'll keep that promise I made to my friend Abraham. And Moses goes and he preached that word to them. And because they were in such a, a cycle of struggle, many of them didn't even believe. 
They were so used to the struggle, they had a hard time receiving a message that were about to come out. Sometimes people come sit right up in here and because you've been struggling so long, you've been going through hard times so long, you've been barely getting by so long, you can't even hear a message about, about coming out because you've been struggling so long. But I have news for you. It don't matter. If you want to stay in, stay in. But the rest of us, we coming out. You can hang like an Egypt all you want, but the rest of us, we up out of here. All right, now you know the story. God gave an exit plan. Pharaoh's not going to let you go, though. But I got a plan. I'm working my plan. It wasn't until there was a sacrifice. One was, as a matter of fact, when God began to work his plan, Angie, the very first act in God's plan, when the plagues came, the first plague was blood. He said, Moses, I want you to tell Aaron to wave his rod over all the water of Egypt. And I'm going to command, cause all the water in Egypt to be turned to blood. He said the blood in the Nile River, the blood in their lakes, he said even the blood in their pots and pans in the kitchen. I'm going to make all the blood, all the water turn to blood. That's the very first thing. So he gonna open and close the plan with blood. Somebody shout, there's power in the blood. There's power. There's power in the blood. So he said, I'm, 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 re I'm ready to bring y'all out of here now. I've been playing around with that devil long enough. I've been toying with Pharaoh long enough. Y'all ready to see a big show? Egypt? Okay, I got one for you. All right. Israel, you go down, make sure y'all go and everybody crucify a lamb. You can eat it, but take that blood. Put it on the doorpost. Put it on the lintel of your house. Cover your house with this blood because I'm going to send something that they're not going to be able to stop. And when this last one comes, he's going to let you go. So the 400 years you've been in a cycle of poverty and sickness and lack and defeat and failure. After 400 years, I'm going to send this one act. Boom! And I'm going to break this cycle in your life for you and all your family. Somebody ought to shout for you and all your family. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your stuff. It's your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. You'll see it after you in their generation. God gonna break the cycles. No more, no more, no more failure, no more defeat. You got victory. And so what happens? They kept the Passover. The Passover. The blood was shed. Put this on the screen, please. Psalm 107. Psalm, Psalm 105. Verse 36 and 37. 400 years in, in a cycle. Psalm 105, 36, 37. This is this 10th plague. 
he also destroyed all the firstborn in there, the Egyptians' land, to first of all their strength. This is when the Passover is taking place. This is when the blood is being shed. Now, 400 years, I've seen the oppression. I've seen the affliction. I've seen the poverty. I've seen the misery. Now, watch the next verse when the cycle is broken. This is how it's about to look at your life. Verse 37. He also brought... He brought Anita out. Insert name here. He brought you out. Come on, come on, say it. You ought to. Oh, he brought me out. He brought me out. Oh, he's bringing us out right now. The lamb has been slain. The blood has been shed. I received the blood on my life. I'm getting out of the cycle of defeat. I'm moving to a cycle of victory and when I'm coming out, I'm coming out it said with silver and that's how I know that they have been stuck in a cycle of sickness. Because if they had always been, been well he wouldn't have mentioned that they were coming out with no feeble one of them. But in one move, foo, in, I said in one move he cut off poverty. Boom. In one move, he cut off sickness and disease. Boom. In one move, he cut out all the drama and the confusion. Boom. In one move. And when Christ Jesus climbed up on Calvary's cross, in one move, bam, he cut off all that stuff. Somebody shout, I'm coming out with my hands full. Everybody on your feet. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, somebody shout, it will never. Who's this power? Reaches to the highest mountains, flows to the lowest valley. That blood is so powerful I want you to begin to plead that blood over your family over the generations things that you've been watching repeated generation after generation the generation it stops it stops with me say it say it it stops with me My children are not going to go through. No. 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 
No, I, I cancel alcoholism. I, I cancel addiction. I cancel that divorce. I cancel it. I cancel that poverty. I cancel that miser spirit. In the name of Jesus. You know that miser, that old stingy spirit? People say stingy just running your family. It stops right here. Don't so nothing else running my family but but health, wealth, anointing, prosperity, happiness, joy, peace, power, love. That's what runs in my family. Freedom. Now, I had something written down here, and the, I'm, I've, I've been hesitant about sharing it, but I, I, I got to share it because it came up when I was studying this out, it came up. Because when they, they killed that Passover lamb, it was two things. One, it was blood, but two, it was a sacrifice. So I gotta say this at at the at the 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 chance of you thinking something wrong about me. Now we've grown up, sir. That two things that will break cycles. One is the blood, two is a sacrificial seed. Absolutely. I'm a witness, sir. I'm a witness myself. Jesus Christ himself was a sacrificial seed that broke the cycle for humanity. That Passover lamb was a seed that broke the cycle 400 years of this. So I want you to put this on the screen media. Just Y'all keep standing because we're going to read this and we're done. Psalm 76, verse 11 and 12. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. It says, make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. This is the power of the vow. In other words, there are things that have been plaguing your life or your family. And you know, they ain't just you. It's just your, your children. Your, your cousins. It's all in your family. Y'all quiet now. See, I can tell you. Y'all, y'all don't choke, don't choke, don't choke, don't choke, don't choke, don't choke. Don't choke. I'm just trying to tell you this is this is what y'all 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 know me. He says, so make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. So let's talk, let's talk about your vow and your offering to God. Now watch what verse 12 says. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. Now the Bible, Jesus, Jesus Christ calls Satan the prince of this world. 
Paul called him the prince of the power of the air. In other words, there's an enemy, an adversary, who has attacked your family and your bloodline. Generations. I'm trying to figure out how all my cousins like this, all my brothers like this, all my family. I don't understand why everybody, I mean, just came, nobody just seemed like nobody came break out. Like every generation of the generation, everybody in my, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand what, what's the problem, what's the problem? Because there's, there's a prince of this world. A prince of the power of the air. Same guy, Satan, who God says, you want to cut him off? You want to cut him off? He says, make a vow and pay it. So you bring, so you bring an offer, I cut, I, I cut, I cut him off. That's what we know tithe does. Tithe, he rebukes. Y'all know it. He rebukes the devourer. For your sake, do the time. He said, you want, you want to know what the vow will do? The vow will cut off the spirit of princes. Well, I don't know. I'm tired of going this cycle every year. He said, make a vow and pay it. Oh, man, I'm just telling my wife and I, we can, we can tell you for firsthand. When, I remember when Apostle Durber, first, back then we called him Pastor Durber, he first came and was preaching this stuff. We didn't, we didn't understand. We didn't understand it, but you know what? If the, that's what the word said, I believe it. And we, had, we watched God cut off the spirit of the princes in our lives. We're like, whoa. Is that easy? Yes, is that easy? Is that easy? That's what that Passover lamb was. He was not just bloodshed, but he was a sacrifice. He's a sacrifice. And, and God wants to break cycles. I'm asking the Lord to give me the ability, you know, the next couple of weeks to teach on uh, breaking these cycles. Not, not only teach you in the vow, because that's not, that's not my point. My point is, I don't want to see people stuck in cycles of defeat. I want to see people, you know, I mean, it's got to break here. It's got to break right here and go no further than me. And I'm going to back it up off me. <laughs> We're going to kill it. We're going to kill it. Hey, that's the power of the blood. That's the power of the blood. Do y'all receive that? Just take a good minute and thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me on Calvary. Thank you for the blood that washed all my sins away. Thank you for the blood that redeemed my life. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah. By which we overcome. Thank you for the blood. The shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Hallelujah. That will never lose its power. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We apply that blood to our lives. We apply that blood to our bodies and to our families and to our finances and everything about us. We apply that blood. Ah. Oh, Jesus, what you went through for that blood to be shed.
the horrible torture, the horrible things they did to you just for us to have the blood. Unimaginable things. Things that were inhumane. Things we wouldn't do to a dog. But they did to you and you opened not your mouth. As a lamb before her shears was dumb, so you open not your mouth. Thank you, Jesus, for the price you paid for our salvation, for our redemption, for our deliverance, for our restoration, for our cleansing, for our healing, for our health, for our divine life, for our prosperity, for our riches, for our wealth for our anointing, for our joy, for our peace. And we don't want to ever trample you underfoot. We don't ever want to make your blood a common thing. And we never ever want to insult the spirit of grace. We receive our divine orders from you, the captain of our salvation, to become all that you've called us to be. We'll walk in it. Thank you that by the blood, every generational curse is broken. By the blood, every cycle that we have been uh, locked into is over, <laughs> over and done with. We step into a cycle of prosperity, a cycle of healing, a cycle uh, that even though we may fall seven times, we, we get back up every time, every, every single time, every single time that we cannot be held down, we cannot be held back, that in you there's only victory. In you there's only victory. So we walk in it and we live in all the days of our lives. I speak now the blessing upon your people that they'll walk in this empowerment to prosper. It'll be so evident that the whole world will see. That's what, your, what the Bible said, Father, that all people will know that we are called of the Lord. They'll see we are blessed. So thank you for the blessing working in our lives, producing the life you've sent, sent us uh, for us to enjoy. We thank you. We praise you and we give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. We're under direct orders from our commander in chief. Prosper.